10 years is a long time, you would have seen a lot of uh, mistakes that business make when it comes to copywriting. So, I mean, what do you see to be like the three biggest mistakes that businesses make when it comes to copywriting? Welcome to the Content Maximizer podcast, where we share ideas, tools, and interviews to help you maximize from the internet so you can get more sales, increase customer loyalty, and accelerate your market authority. And now, here's your host, Lisa Cho. Hi, it's Lisa Cho here, founder of Content Maximizer. Welcome to another episode of the Content Maximizer podcast. Today, I'm interviewing one of Australia's leading copywriter, Jesse Forrest. In the last 10 years, he's worked with hundreds of different clients and written copy for every conceivable industry, topic, and niche market imaginable. From finance and business, to health and wellness, to dating and relationships. His copy has achieved stunning results for his clients, from smashing previous best month sales records, doubling revenue, and attracting tons of new customers. He specializes in writing website copy, email campaigns, sales pages, video scripts, brochure copy, direct mail, print ads, and more. So you are in for a great treat. Let's now jump straight into it. Hey, Jesse. Hi, Lisa. Thank you so much for, uh, for joining us on this podcast. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, look, knowing how busy you are, I think our, um, our listeners are really in for a great treat. Yeah, well, I'm excited to share some uh, awesome content. Nice. Okay, cool. Well, let's just go straight into it. So, um, Jesse, maybe you can start with just sharing with us, you know, your background in relation to, uh, to copywriting. Yeah, no worries. So, I've been copywriting for 10 years. I started in 2004. And before that, I was in a sales position mm-hmm. and I really didn't like my job. I didn't like selling to people face to face. And I also didn't really believe in the product that we were selling. So I learned all about sales from being in a sales job and I learned about marketing. And through learning about marketing, I discovered copywriting. And as someone who's a little bit introverted, I mean, I can be an extrovert, but often... <laughs> I wouldn't have guessed. <laughs> I could certainly be an extrovert and you and I have hung up before and I think yes. that's we both may be extroverted. But I'm a bit of an introvert sometimes and I really copywriting really appealed to me because it was all about psychology, which mm-hmm. is understanding people yes. and understanding how to make people do things that you want them to do. So I've always been interested in psychology and human behavior. So copywriting is part psychology and it's also part writing and I've always loved writing so it combines two of two things that I'm really interested in doing so I discovered it 10 years ago and I started copywriting at night um, after after work in my uh-huh. sales job yeah and uh, I just fell in love with it so I practiced writing a lot I read lots of books on copywriting I went to lots of seminars I did some you know courses and you know, uh, a few months later, maybe six months later, I started uh, my copywriting career. So I went out and set up a website and actively started seeking clients. And um, mm-hmm. yeah, that was 10 years ago. It's been a long journey. I've 
been very fortunate to have worked with a lot of the big names in marketing from Jay Abraham to Armin Morin mm-hmm. to Dr. Martini from The Secret and many others. I mean, there's been so many great clients in the last 10 years. And uh, nowadays I spend my time writing copy for clients, but also teaching copywriting. And I speak at, you know, lots of seminars uh, throughout the year. And also I seem to be nowadays talking on a lot of different podcasts and webinars. And <laughs> I, I love yes. I love sharing this knowledge. And I also train people nowadays who want to become copywriters on how they can break into this, you know, fun and exciting um, business. So, mm. yeah, I guess that's the long version, but that's how I got started in copywriting. You know, I wouldn't have guessed that you've been in it for 10 years, considering how young you look. (laughs) Well, that's very kind of you, Lisa. And I think you look very young too. Oh, thank you. (laughs) So, So let me ask you then, I mean, 10 years is a long time. You would have seen a lot of uh, mistakes that business make when it comes to copywriting. So, I mean, what do you see to be like the three biggest mistakes that businesses make when it comes to copywriting? Yeah, great question. There are lots of mistakes when it comes to copywriting. Mm -hmm. And to isolate three might be difficult. But I guess what what I would say is, first of all, the copy they write is all about themselves and the business. Uh So we have a thing, what we call is the WIIFM radio station. And it's a radio station that everyone is tuning to and people are mostly interested in listening to. And that is, it stands for What's In It For Me. So WIIFM, What's In It For Me. Right. And so much of the copy you read, whether it's on websites or in or in marketing brochures or, you know, really anywhere, so much of it just talks about the business owners talking about themselves and their business. So they might say, we've been in business for 25 years. We give great service and support. Mm-hmm. You know, we are rated, you know, AAA in the industry or whatever. So mm-hmm. it's all we, 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 and we're great. It's nothing about mm-hmm. or to do with the people they're trying to influence and sell to their potential customers. And therefore, someone reading that kind of advertising where they just say things like, we've been in business 25 years and, you know, we are great. They think, well, who cares? Like, what what's in it for me? Like, there's no benefits being expressed on how me as the consumer or the potential customer will benefit. So mm. that's certainly one of the big mistakes. It's... Yeah, and what you said is so true. I see it so often with a lot of businesses that we work with. And it kind of reminded me of like going on a date, you know, and for the first time sitting opposite like a guy or a girl and all they do is talk about themselves. How interesting can that conversation go? Not yes. very. <laughs> Are they likely to have a second date? Mm, probably not. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And isn't that funny how it's, you know, it can be across the boards, even in dating, as you say, that there's, you know, like people just talk about themselves. And actually, if I'm honest, I was on a date last week uh-huh. and this girl exactly asked her, oh, what do you do for a living? 20 minutes later, she was still going on and on and on about her job. <laughs> and I sat there just losing, quickly losing interest, thinking, are you going to ask me anything? Like, is she going to ask me <laughs> any questions about myself or is it all about her? And is there going to be second date? <laughs> <laughs> probably not. Um, but the, the idea is in communication, which is what copywriting is, it's communication. Yes. 
it's trying to influence a target audience, your target market, you need to really understand them. And the way we understand them is through research. And then the research that we do gives us the information we need to influence those people. So I ask when I do, when I have a new client, I'll ask them a whole bunch of questions. Mm -hmm. And one of them is who is the target audience? You know, what are their problems? What are their interests? What are their desires? What are their frustrations? So that I can try and intimately understand them so that when we write copy, the people, the target audience who read it are going to think, wow, they really understand me and they really seem to get what I'm going through and what I want. Mm -hmm. I, you know, want to, we can't help but want to, you know, spend money with that kind of company. There was a great headline in America on a billboard Mm-hmm. And I don't I don't recommend this headline because I think it's a little bit vague, but it was certainly powerful. The headline read, "You want what you want. You yeah. want you want what you want." Yes. Now that might get our attention because we think, and we can agree with that. And it's good to come out with headlines that your prospect agrees with. You never want to say something that might be polarizing, where they read it and they think, "Oh no, I don't believe that," or "I don't agree with that statement." And then they're going to be turned off. But the idea is you want what you want. That's got, you know, you um, mm-hmm. three times, in, I think three times in that headline. So that's going to, you Twice. know, it's all about, yeah, talking to the, <laughs> to the audience. Great. Okay. So so that's one of the first mistakes. And, and I believe it is one of the biggest mistakes with businesses always talking about themselves. Another two that we could think of, Jesse? Yeah, definitely. Another one would be that um, there's no... There's no call to action. So the call what does to that a- mean? So the call to action or CTA yes. means telling your your readers uh, or your you know prospects yes. what you want them to do specifically. Yeah. Uh, so no call to action. Now they might think, well, you know, we've got our phone number on our ad. Certainly, they they must know we should call them. Well, not really. I mean, you, unless you're telling people what to do then people don't really follow, you know, when there's no directions. Mm. So it's much more effective if you have, and maybe this is ties into that, but you want to have a compelling offer. So I would say mistake number three is not having a compelling offer. Mm -hmm. Um, And mistake number two would be there's no call to action. So these tie in together. So I'll explain what these mean. So let's say you have um, advertising and it could be, you know, again, a website, could be an email campaign, it could be even a billboard or mm-hmm. a print ad. You know, if there's the first thing you want to do is have a, a compelling offer. Now, an offer might be something where they read that offer and they think, wow, that's a great offer or that's a great deal. I'm going to take advantage of it. There's a few ways you can make compelling offers. It could be showing the, the value of your price. Now, that might be discounting. You might say, you know, price is usually 997, but today it's you know, 297. Well, mm-hmm. that's a compelling offer. Um, mm-hmm. Another one might be a free report or free video series if you have a website and then you show that the video series is really valuable. Mm-hmm. Um, so that might also have a dollar value or it might be, you know, 10 videos. Um, that shows, you know, value as well. And you say they're free. That's a compelling offer. So that's mm-hmm. just some examples. You know, you could discount, you could offer things for free. You might offer extra bonuses. Yeah. You might offer free shipping. Whatever it is, make uh-huh. a compelling offer and then tell people how they can claim this offer. 
Yes. So it might be, you know, call up, call up our toll-free number on 1-800-blah-blah-blah to claim this offer. Or it might be, if it's something for sale, you might say, um, you know, to claim your, or to, to claim your 50% discount, you know, fill out the form below or click the link below and, um, you know, claim your discount or whatever it might be. So Brilliant. you want to make a compelling offer and you want to tell people how they can get that offer with a call to action. So tell them exactly what you want them to do because too many times there's no offer and no call to action. So people read the copy and they think, oh, that sounds good, you know, sounds okay. Um, and then they think, oh, maybe I'll look at this later and they leave. Yes, if there's brilliant. A, yeah, if yeah. there's a compelling offer and a good call to action, then you're way ahead of your competition or not doing these things. Great. So, so just let me ask you, I mean, in terms of copywriting for business, there are really three main types of copywriting. So there's website copy. So for example, like the about us page or the product or services page. The second type of copywriting is like a sales or an opt-in landing page where there's a specific page dedicated to get someone to take action, like what, what you just talked about. And then the third one is like brochures, like printed brochures, you know, corporate information and so forth. What are, you know, three things that people should focus on on each of these categories because they're all different different medium and different things, you know, would you say there are different things that you should do depending on what type of medium they are? Yeah, well, that's a good question, Lisa, and they're definitely different mediums. So like you say, we could really put these into like offline copy and online copy. Now, mm -hmm. online copy is obviously websites, landing pages, email campaigns, even video scripts. All of these things are online copy that's an online medium and then of course there is you know offline copy as well which could be brochures direct mail even postcards mm -hmm. they're uh, they're all newspaper advertising you know yeah. magazine advertising that's all offline copy as well so there is certainly different things you can do when it comes to writing online copy and writing offline copy now people are still the same it's still people you know, reading and consuming the copy. So we're still dealing with people. We're not dealing with, you know, aliens or something. <laughs> so we're still communicating through copy to people. But the difference is behavior. So people okay. online behave differently when they're online to people who are offline. And the way they behave differently is, I would say, when you're in front of your computer you probably have a shorter attention span mm -hmm. than you do when you're sitting down and reading a letter, which might mm -hmm. be direct mail, or you're reading a magazine. Mm -hmm. um, now, you may not often notice how you behave because it's often subconscious or unconsciously unconscious behavior. Yeah. Um, but certainly, the me yeah, we behave differently. And so we need to write... Um, differently like it, for example I recommend with a direct mail campaign mm -hmm. that when we send direct mail to prospects we send a colored envelope so I, I prefer like a blue color or some kind of maybe red or orange color envelope with mm -hmm. a handwritten address and an actual stamp now what does that look like when you receive something like that in the mail like a, a letter from a friend. Like a letter from a friend. Maybe it's an invitation. Maybe it's mm -hmm. 
some people might assume it's a wedding invitation mm -hmm. um, or a birthday card. It looks very personalized. Yes. But inside, it's actually direct mail. So it's mm -hmm. advertising. Mm. But immediately, that's going to get someone's interest than all of the other bills that or junk mail that's, you know, been stuffed into their letterbox. Mm -hmm. They probably will open it first thinking it's personalized. Mm. So consider that someone receiving that letter, walking into their lounge room, sitting on the lounge and opening it, they're probably going to open it first. They're mm -hmm. going to be greatly interested. What is this? Who's it from? Mm -hmm. um, now, compare that to someone receiving an email from some kind of promotional advertising um, maybe even for the same product. Mm -hmm. Those with the email, their attention span, the engagement on reading that email is going to be so much shorter than someone sitting down, opening an envelope and reading a letter. So this is what I'm trying to illustrate. The different behaviors yes. dictate how we're going to write the copy. So to answer your question, how do we write copy for online and how is it different to offline? Yes. Well, with online, Let's talk about websites first. So okay. with a sales page, so think uh, of a sales page which has one purpose and that is to get someone to, when they go to this page, we want them to read the copy and then buy whatever mm -hmm. the product is. Mm -hmm. Or um, take action. Or take action, um, which might be, say, an opt-in page or landing page and that's where we might, there might be one call to action, which is we want people to, you know, give us a name, email address and click a submit button in that scenario. So let's think of that. So with this type of copy, because it's the internet, because we know people have shorter attention spans, mm -hmm. what we want to do is we want to write copy that is going to get them to stop and read the copy first and foremost, because we know they're going to be clicking around and you know they might yeah. have multiple tabs open. They might be simultaneously looking at Facebook. So what we want to do... <laughs> Which yeah. so many people do, you know, people. Yeah, can, they do for sure. Yeah, even nowadays, did you know with TV, uh -huh. TV is actually getting worse when it comes to entertainment value. I mean, there's so many reality TV shows now on, and sometimes we think, what the heck? Like, how do they come up with this crap? And <laughs> well, they they're allowed to because they know most people nowadays have the when they're watching TV, they have the laptop in their lap. They're probably on Facebook. Yes. They have their mobile phone in their other hand and they're texting or tweeting or, you know, Snapchatting or whatever they're doing or on, you know, WhatsApp. Uh-huh. And they're, so they've got three devices on, TV, laptop and mobile. They're really distracted. So what we want to do is we want copy that is going to get them to make, to take action quite quickly. And the way we do that is I often, with websites, I'm writing copy with the idea in mind that someone is probably quickly scanning and scrolling the copy. Mm -hmm. And so I'll do things like I'll have subheadings that break up the, the page and I'll have imaging with captions underneath that get people to, that grab people's attention who are probably scrolling and scanning to get them to stop and start reading. If they don't read any of the copy, well then there's, there's no communication and therefore they're not absorbing the copy. They're probably not going to take any action. So step number one with writing website copy is you want to write the copy and design the page with the idea in mind that people are probably going to be scanning and scrolling it. Yep. That's a really good point. Yeah. So you want to use not too many, but you want to break up the copy with what I call sub headlines or subheadings. It's basically headings throughout the page. 
Mm -hmm. uh, you want to have images that grab their attention, that show some kind of benefit. That's going to really help when it comes with, you know, landing pages and online sales pages. Yeah. So with email campaigns, I can, if, if we've got time, I can, I can briefly talk about that. But with, sure. with mm -hmm. an email copy, what we want to do, the most important things is, the most important thing with email copy is who is sending me the email? Because if you don't know the person sending you the email, if you've never heard of them, yep. then it really doesn't matter how great your copy is because they're probably just going to delete it. Yeah. You don't talk about emails. I've got a, I got a couple of questions. Uh -huh. So, And you, you touch on a really good point on who it comes from. Now, a lot of businesses send emails from like a no reply at or uh, customer service at. So they don't actually use a person's name. They use kind of like a generic email address. Um, what's your thoughts on that? Yeah, I think it should be as personalized as possible, uh, mm -hmm. your emails. Yep. So when I say personalized, that means instead of sending it from, you know, as you say, support at, yeah. you know, yourcompanyname.com or whatever the business is called. Mm -hmm. or uh, no reply at. That's not very personal, is it? Um, no. So I think if you can have it from the business owner, like my emails go out from Jesse Forrest, and I have a database which I email, and I, it's from Jesse Forrest, and also I sign off as Jesse Forrest, and my email address is jesse at startcopywriting.com, and so people can you know totally feel like it's from me, and it is from me. Mm -hmm. um, it's harder for, I think, big corporations to do that. You know, the, the, the CEO probably doesn't have time to broadcast and read emails, but it could certainly be from the marketing manager um, mm -hmm. as opposed to, you know, something generic about the company. It could be from the marketing manager or even just the person sending the email. It's better than having that than from some faceless kind of email address. Yeah, because that will increase the open rate, I would assume. Yeah, definitely. Mm. The most important thing with email marketing is what relationship do you have with the sender? You at least want to know who they are and recognize the name. That's the first step. Sure. The other question I have with email marketing is, you know, a lot of businesses, they do those really pretty, colorful um, type of emails, like the HTML emails. And then some people, they use this plain text. What's your thoughts? you know, on the difference between the two and what will have a better um, conversion rate? Yeah, great question. So I've never, I've never sent out HTML emails mm -hmm. because I think, now, now that doesn't mean they don't work. I think they do work. And I think some big companies like, especially some of the electronic companies like JB Hi-Fi, mm -hmm. like um, Kogan.com, which is one of the biggest online electronics retailers, uh, certainly in Australia, uh -huh. um, worth, I think, at least a few hundred million dollars. And mm -hmm. they do a lot of email marketing. Unfortunately, most of their emails that I get from them as a subscriber, um, they go straight to my promotions, uh, I guess, tab inside of Gmail. But they're all HTML emails. So yes. I, I, don't think, I don't think they're bad. They can work if they're designed you know, if they're designed well and people can easily click through to what they want, um, mm -hmm. I think that's fine. But typically, uh, certainly with all of my clients, I've only ever written and had my clients send out actual, like, text emails. 
yes. text, text only. Yeah, I th it sounds like HTML emails might work better if you're sending out an online brochure. Yes. You know, rather than having like a personal conversation with your with your prospects. Exactly. You know, the best kind of emails to send are ones that seem like they're from a friend. And I, I don't think many of our friends are going to be sending out <laughs> HTML you know, emails to us. <laughs> pretty designed HTML emails. So if, no. if people are expecting a catalog, like if I've subscribed to an electronic store like Kogan or JB Hi-Fi or, you know, Canon, I'm sh or even some like Apple, even Apple perhaps, I'm yes. guessing most of these we expect to receive HTML emails because we want to see the catalog and we probably want to know what the latest product is. Yes. But for most businesses who are not in that space, mm -hmm. who want to communicate with their database and they don't have an electronics catalog um, or something similar to that, then I think text emails are the best. Yes. And uh, there's, you know, this is probably a whole other podcast episode, Lisa, but I think the, sh the long and the short of it for email, email campaigns is you want to, Make sure you have a relationship with the people that you're sending to. Yes. Um, you want to have focus a lot of your your you know time on coming up with a good email subject line, and then the email itself should not go for too long. Um, what I mean by that is probably less than 500 words. Mm -hmm. um, you want to focus on having short paragraphs, so maybe three to four lines of copy before the next paragraph, and you want to have your link which is your call to action at the top, in the middle, and towards the end, repeated inside that email. So you have the link after the first paragraph, have it somewhere in the middle again, the same link, and then towards the bottom of the email. Because people also scan and scroll emails when they receive them. Yeah, definitely. So yeah, I think we might have to invite you back just for um, an episode on email marketing. <laughs> yeah, sure. No worries. Yeah. So so let's we've done uh, we've talked a bit about the online stuff. So what about like print, um, advertising, print marketing, and, and copywriting around that? Yeah. So that really is like the oldest, you know, copy in the book, and that is print advertising, mail order advertising, you know, some people remember those, I certainly do, before the internet was, really became commercialized, we had a lot of catalog, you know, catalogs being sent in the mail, we had direct mail, there was a lot of print ads, um, a lot of offline advertising. Mm -hmm. um, now, a lot of it, a lot of that still exists, but more of it is based on the internet. Um, so anyway, the, the tips for, offline copy, so writing print ads and direct mail and all of that, really mm -hmm. is the length. I mean, if, if I'm buying space in a newspaper or yep. magazine, like, let's say a one-page ad, you yes. know, I'm restricted with my space. So yes. With, with an online, with a website, you know, a web page could be 10 pages and I've got lots of room to do lots of different things with videos uh, I can put links, I can put, you know, phone numbers, I've got lots of room, uh, I'm not restricted by space. Now, the difference is with offline, obviously, we can't say click on this link or, you know, watch this video because it might be a newspaper ad or a magazine ad. Mm -hmm. And so our call to action might be call this number or mm -hmm. visit this website. Mm -hmm. Now, so that's the first thing. Different medium means smaller space. Um, 
also means we can't share video, we can't say click on links. So what we probably tell people to do is to call a number or visit a website. But mm -hmm. ultimately, you want to say both. So you want to have those principles of giving them the option to call or giving the option to visit a website. Yes, yeah, and, and you know, you, you raise a really good point there in terms of the call to action to call a phone number um, or to go to a website. One of the mistakes I see a lot of businesses do when they send people to a website is they send them to their homepage yes. rather than a specific landing page. Mm -hmm. um, so once people go to a homepage, they can get lost and don't know where, where to go, so then they just disappear. Whereas, um, you know, if you send them to a specific landing page where there's a call to action there, then you can make it very easy for people to take the next step for you to capture their information. Yeah, totally. That um, that makes a lot of sense. And that probably is one of the big problems, Lisa, you've touched on with, you know, online strategy with web marketing. Mm -hmm. And that is the whole idea of sending people just to your homepage. It's much better to have, you know, whatever your copy is talking about, you want to send them to a specific landing page that is that matches what you talked about in the first piece of copy. So if I had a, let's say we had a, an ad in a newspaper, mm -hmm. and maybe that was offering a free seminar all about, you know, online marketing that we want people to register for and attend. And so the headline might be free seminar reveals, you know, how to grow your business with online marketing or something like that. Then we have all of the yeah. copy. And again, we're limited to just one page. So we're going to go through a particular formula, which I could talk about. But the call to action might be to register your free seat, call 1-800-whatever, or visit our website, which is uh, contentmaximizer.com forward slash um, seminar. seminar or free seminar. Mm -hmm. So when they click on that, or not click on, when they type in... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, when for, they type it. <laughs> when they type that in, they're going to get taken to a landing page, which has maybe a bit of information about the seminar, and then it has, you know, the registration box. So Jesse, you mentioned that there is a specific formula to follow when you do offline copywriting. Would you be happy to share the, the formula? Yeah, absolutely. I'm happy to share the formula. So the formula is an old formula that was invented, you know, more than 50 years ago, probably even up to 80 years ago. And that was called the ADA formula. And ADA stands for, well, first of all, it's A-I-D-A. -A. Okay. And the first A stands for attention. Uh-huh. Um, then we yeah. have I, and I stands for interest. Okay. And then there's D, D stands for desire. And then the final A stands for action. Nice. So mm -hmm. attention, interest, desire, action. And you can think of this as the structure to your advertising. Now, this is going to work whether you're writing online or offline advertising. Okay. But attention, how do we get attention? Well, we do that with a headline, and we can often do it with an image, probably both. So mm -hmm. we want to have a headline in our copy or advertising. So have a headline, and often we see in the newspapers, and, and newspapers are actually a good format to follow because they often follow this formula as well. Mm -hmm. um, they don't often ask for action, desire, 
or interest, but they're very good at getting us to read their articles. And they do that by having a compelling headline and they yes. do it by having an image that grabs our attention. Usually, you know, celebrities who are fighting or some kind of <laughs> you know, action image. We don't want to do that, but we might have an image of ourselves if we're selling ourselves. We might mm-hmm. have an image of the benefits people receive if they buy whatever it is we're selling or if they do business with us. Yeah. Um, so first thing is headline and an image that's going to grab attention. That's how we do A for attention. I for interest, that's all about what you say in your opening paragraphs. So we want to make sure that our opening paragraph is compelling. When people read it, they're going to be interested in reading more. So the role of your first sentence that you write after the headline should be to engage people, to keep them interested. And an easy way to do that is to ask questions that they probably want the answer to or they can identify to. I'll give you some examples. Example from some copy I wrote last year was, um, and again, I asked identifying questions so that I know from doing research, the prospect or the visitor or the reader are most likely going to, they're most likely going to say yes to. Here's what I wrote for the opening sentence for this was copy that was targeted at tradespeople, so plumbers, carpenters, builders. Okay. So it started with a question, and that question was, do you stay up late at night doing administrative tasks when you know there's probably a better way? Do you ever feel like you spend your whole life working? Do you ever feel guilty about not spending enough time with your partner, family, or kids because you're so busy? So these are questions probably that a lot of business owners can relate to, but certainly trade business owners could relate to as well. We know through research that they complained about these areas. So by speaking their language and talking to them directly, asking these identifying questions, they're going to feel like we understand them and they're going to be interested because they're going to say, yeah, this is me. I wonder what they're going to you know, prescribe as a solution to these problems that I can identify with. Mm -hmm. So if I was writing for an eczema product, I would say, I would use the same technique. I'd probably say something like, do you wake up at night because you have itchy skin and you, you know, the urge to itch and scratch your skin is, is, is strong. Or I might say something, I might say it a bit better than that, but Uh the idea is there, ask a question that they can relate to. They can relate to that. They certainly understand. Yes. Um, So often my first paragraph or first few lines of copy is asking identifying questions that the prospect would answer yes to because, you know, that's a great way of building interest. The next thing you want to do is desire. So after I've talked about their problems, I'm going to build desire. And desire is telling them that there is a solution to their problems and that that their life can turn around and they can get the benefits that they seek, the desires they have. So let's say it's eczema and we're talking about eczema. And we've identified their problems. We've built that interest. Now, when we talk about desire, we're going to say, you know, the solution. We're going to talk about what life could be like. And I might say, Mm. wouldn't it be great if you had smooth, clear, beautiful skin? Wouldn't it be awesome if... You can go to the beach and feel comfortable in your own skin. Yeah. And not having to cover up. Exactly. There you go. Wow. Um, that's great copy right there, Lisa. Imagine going out at night wearing your your little black dress and f- feeling totally at ease in it. Yes. 
<laughs> hey, you're a good copywriter, Lisa. That's exactly what you should do. Painting the desire of what life could be like if they solve their problems. Again, you could do this for tradespeople. We could say, wouldn't it be great if you could come home early and have dinner with your family and put your kids to bed instead of working all night into the evening? Wouldn't it be great if finally you didn't have to ever do an administrative or paperwork task again because you had the systems and the team to handle it for you, you know, without blowing your budget? We say all these things, they're going to say, yes, 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 I want this stuff. Mm-hmm. What is it? I'm interested. I desire whatever it is they're talking about. Mm-hmm. Then, of course, there is, there's more to this process. And, you know, we may not have time today to cover it everything I would write in a sales page or promotion or advertising. But the next step is action. Yes. So once we've done the previous steps and we know the person now is very interested in whatever it is we're selling and we've presented the product in, you know, after talking about what life could be like, we've, you know, also in desire, we'll not only paint the picture of what life could be like, but we're also going to say, you know, now we have this product and this product can give you all of those things. So after we've talked about a product, we then want to tell them how to take action, how to Mm. get this product that's going to help them. Yes. And that again is making a strong offer like we talked about at the beginning of the call and then telling people exactly what we want them to do in order to get and purchase this product. Or if it's not about buying a product, it's what action step do we want them to take. Mm-hmm. Um, so we tell them precisely how to do that. That is the ADA formula. Now, it's a brief formula. It's basic, but it's very effective, and it's been used to create advertising, like I said, for at least the last 50 years by many different copywriters who followed this formula. Nice. Well, formulas are always good because it gives you a guide. Absolutely. Yeah, brilliant. Thank you so much for, you know, you've shared a lot of golden nuggets through this podcast today and I really appreciate your time. So listeners, if you want to learn more about Jesse Forrest and his copywriting service, just go to thewebcopywriter.com. So we're going to include this link in this show note as well. So you can go directly to Jesse's site and, and check him out. So Jesse, thank you so much for your time once again. Lisa, it's been my absolute pleasure. And yeah, I've got a lot of free advice, information, and also details about my services, as Lisa said, at thewebcopywriter.com. And yeah, thanks for having me on today, Lisa. Cheers. Thanks, Jesse. Talk to you soon. Bye. Bye. Well, I hope you have enjoyed this interview with Jesse Forrest and found a few tips that you can apply to your business. If you like this episode, we would love an iTunes review from you. If you want more useful digital marketing tips, go to contentmaximizer.com. See you next time. Thank you for listening to the Content Maximizer podcast. You can get a full transcript of this episode, plus access to a lot more free online marketing tips at contentmaximizer.com. See you at the next episode.